Welcome to the Helium Boys Podcast, a serious, non-serious USC football podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, along with co-host Chris Trevino. Chris, USC, we're just going to jump right into it. USC, 56-10. to 10. I'm a little disappointed. They didn't get the 70-burger that I threw out there and everyone thought was crazy, but USC takes care of business against Stanford. We're going to jump right into our two-minute drill. You are officially on the clock. Give me two minutes of what stood out to you from the Stanford game. I'm only going to spend about 30 seconds on the offense. It was great. It was amazing. But we already knew the offense was going to be that. Caleb Williams is him, best player in the country. That offense has so many weapons. Marshawn Lloyd starting to emerge. Offensive line, their best game of the season. They really clicked everything you want. It was a, it was a walking buzzsaw, as we know. And the offense just ran through uh, Stanford's defense like they were made of paper mache. No resistance, but the defense. That was the big thing going into this game is we want to see the defense make incremental progress throughout the season. You can't just start out as the number one defense. It has to be a process. You have to grow you have to move into that. You have to ramp up. Last year, they obviously started backwards. They were good early, and then everything fell apart, you know, with injuries. But I think of it like uh, shotgun. Like, you know, when you're getting a haircut, and there's that moment when you're early in the haircut where you look absolutely stupid in the mirror, and you're like, this is – if there was an earthquake right now or there's a fire and we all have to leave <laughs> the barbershop, and I went out, everyone – you would look so stupid. And just remember that the defense is like a haircut. It's a process. What you start out with is not what it's going to be like at the end of this haircut. But you know those moments when you like look in the mirror and you look stupid, but then you catch like a glimpse shotgun of like, oh, I think this haircut's going to turn out. I see it out of the corner of my eye. I see it in the mirror. <laughs> I see what the, what the barber is going for. That's what we got on Saturday against Stanford. We got a glimpse of what this defense could be. It's not who they are. It's not who they are because they are going to be facing much better teams obviously just remember it's stanford stanford was going to be bad this year they got their quarterback knockout there's a lot of things you can't take away from that game but there was a lot of good things you saw from the defense got a glimpse of what this defense could be a lot of growth to go but this was kind of a game usc fans wanted to see out the defense where they just absolutely dominated and for it to come against a power five team that's all the more better for them Ooh, with a minute let's go spare right on time that that was impressive chris i will have to give you credit for that just nailing the time and ending at 159 and somewhere in the middle of that that was that was tremendous um i'm ready for the clock okay let's go shotgun if he's gonna go over it's gonna be always (laughs) take the over on shotgun and his time starts now yeah, I agree with you. A lot of those things, the defense was what stood out, creating some turnovers. That was really big. Um, you're seeing the impact of what the middle, having the, a, a freak in the interior can do for you, and you're seeing that guys are starting to make adjustments. And I don't mean just USC's players. You see those edge rushers starting to make some adjustments about the angles they take, coming around the edge and stuff, knowing where the pocket is going to be with Barry Alexander pushing the pocket back, but also Alex Grinch making some adjustments as well, and I think that's a big positive there. The offense just lit it up, lit it up, lit it up. So many weapons, so little time to, you know, so little time to just get everyone the ball. And, yeah, Kayla Williams finds feels like everyone. They've had at least 12 receivers catch a pass in all three games, I believe it is now. I think it was, what, seven touchdowns in the first half, seven different guys. 
Um, eight touchdowns overall, eight different guys. So USC continues to spread the ball around. Their Heisman Trophy winner has looked even better than he did last year. Um, he's just making mincemeat of all these defenses they face so far. It's going to be interesting when they face a real defense. How much closer is this, you know, is what we're seeing versus what they're capable of? Because they're just rolling right now so easily. Um, so it, it makes it, you know, it makes you wonder, like, is there any, you know, is anyone going to put up some fight against them? And when that does happen, happen and, you know, there's some uh, trials and tribulations, how do they react to it? Because everything has moved, run so smoothly so far. So, I, you know, it, you you got it. You Lincoln Riley said it. We got um, – you got impact plays in all three phases of the game. They said they really, did really well in all three phases, and I thought that was true. Zachariah Branch, number one, is special. Wow. I didn't think you were going to make it there, Shotgun. I didn't think you were going to make it. I'm going to give it to you as you were ending that Eshel. There was about 201 on the clock, but I'm going to give it to you because oh, you started You looked clock. at a 201. I stopped as soon as I saw the that's, 200. That's true. <laughs> that that's true i also like started a little bit late you already had a second on the clock so i'm gonna go ahead and, and give it to you I, I didn't think you were gonna get it though buddy i think you were gonna get it you, you stumbled there at the end i was like oh no he, he's, he's he's stumbling a little bit but but he found it so congrats to you shotgun i think we both had great two-minute offenses uh today definitely i mean it looked a, a lot better um you know kind of like usc against stanford in two-minute drill versus usc versus nevada or, or san jose state you know, I think I think we're getting our our flow a little bit better too. Just like uh, the USC offense late in those uh those late half situations where they had struggled a little bit the the first half, but now just rolling right. USC's rolling. So who do they take on this week? Who are they gonna who are they gonna beat up on this week? Well, themselves because they got a bye week because of that week zero game and early season bye week. Um, and I, I think it was interesting. Alex Grinch mentioned he was on Trojans Live. Uh, this week instead of uh, Lincoln Riley. And he said, you know, you want there to be some flaws through the first three weeks, but you want to have battled through it. And now you get this bye week. All right, now let's go to work on some things. And I think they have that. You know, I think they've shown progress, which is what you definitely want to see as well. But there's things that are definitely there that need to be cleaned up. And I think this is, you know, a great opportunity to go and do it. You would wish for it maybe a week or two later, I think, if you're just looking at USC schedule overall and the teams they're facing. Um, you know, you would love to have a bye week in the middle of that big stretch run in the second half. But with a bye week in week three of the season, after three games for USC, week three, you know, in air quotes uh, for the college football season because of that week zero game. Chris, what's the focus this week for USC in week three? And what do you think is different? having a bye week so early in the season versus if you have your traditional one and say week eight, right in the kind of the middle of the season. Yeah. I'm going to kind of lump this into our stock shotgun and we're going to start okay. with stock down because I have stock down on the early bye week. I think it's just, it, it obviously you, like, as you mentioned, you would want it in the closer to the middle of the season. And there are some benefits to it, obviously, but again, nine times out of 10, I feel like every coach is going to take that one right in the middle because you want to learn a little bit more about your team. And I think just you kind of halt a little bit of the momentum. Like this is a great win for USC. You have all this, this high enthusiasm for the defense offense was just rolling. This is probably the best half of football we've seen under Lincoln Raleigh, especially that first half. You know, we could talk about the second half, whatever. 
but then you have to go in a bye week and you don't get to play anyone. You don't keep those juices rolling into the next week. You got to kind of slow down, self scout. But you know, you're if you're rolling down that hill, you don't want to stop. You just want to keep going and, and kind of build off what you just did against Saturday and what you just did against Stanford. So, you know, I'm going stock down on the early bye week just because you want to keep that building. You want to build off what you were doing on Saturday. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean all that momentum will be sapped after a bye week. But again, you you take it slower. You don't have a game. You're kind of built up for games already. And now you have to kind of take a, take your foot off the gas pedal a little bit for this weekend. And plus, you're you know, kind of you're going on the road for the next two weeks. You, you, I think you would still like to just kind of keep it rolling, keep it rolling. But so that's why I've stocked down on the bye week. But will you, will your initial question, you know, what do you focus on? Well, obviously, I think the big one is get healthy because, you know, the linebacker core has been banged up a little bit. Uh, they haven't had, you know, too many injuries, you know, outside of, you know, losing a guy for the year and Gino Quinones. But you got to get Mason Cobb. Hopefully we get a little more clarity on what actually is ailing Mason Cobb and kind of how serious that is. Obviously did not play against Stanford. Eric Gentry was able to come back uh, against Stanford, you know, get himself uh, a couple of snaps, you know, didn't start the game, didn't play a whole heavy lot. You know, it's not like he played every snap out there, but just, you know, get him, get him back after kind of rolling that ankle in the the week one and, and sitting out against Nevada. That's a guy you're going to need. And a guy I'm sure really wants to play on the road against his old team at Arizona state up there in Tempe. So I think that's kind of the biggest factor for me is just take this time to get healthy as you do with every bye week or any bye week. Yeah, you got to get healthy, but that's why I think you would want it a little bit later because, you know, as the as the games in a row pile up over this next stretch from this bye week until Thanksgiving, which is when the next time USC will have a bye week since they do have two bye weeks this season. Um, you know, you're going to be in the middle of that stretch where you're playing Washington, you're playing Oregon after already playing Notre Dame and Utah in, you know, what a five week stretch, I think it is. So, you know, when you get to that Oregon game, you're all going on the road and then you have to come home and play UCLA, like somewhere in there, you would have been like, I'd been great if we got, you know, that bye week before going to Oregon and having UCLA. Like, I, I think that would be the ideal place if they had that second bye. Uh, just because hey, you're probably banged up from playing Utah and Notre Dame um, in the middle of there as well. You know, I think they have a game against Cal is the other one, uh, but you, you, you do what you can. So with this, I think the big thing is you, you just got to you heal up. That's always important during bye weeks, but it's attack those youngsters. I think you have so much tape for those youngsters to build off of that, you know, they always talk about, oh, we're really going to try to push our youngsters during the bye week and give them opportunities to, but I think you have so much tape that you can actually build off of that you really can coach those guys up. And maybe that helps, you know, the Elijah Hughes or, you know, whoever it is that's getting a little bit of rotation in there, mostly because of the blowout, but is, is occasionally getting their time, Braylon Shelby, and really can attack uh, the techniques and everything else uh, from teaching off the tape that they actually have. I think that's huge in this moment. And they got three games where they got so many guys opportunities. I mean, USC had already played something like, I think it was, uh, I tweeted out like 84 people after week two. And, you know, they had only, they used 81 or 83 throughout the entire season last year. So you know, you're playing more players. Everyone's getting their opportunity. And I, I think it was, 20 something of those were collegiate debuts. 
So, so you got a lot of guys that are getting their first opportunities, whether it be walk-ons, whether it be guys that have been there a couple of years, whether it be someone like Garrison Madden just getting some time on special teams and stuff. But, like, everything is teachable, and you can build off of so much more when you have that game tape. So I think that's it, – it really is a big week for the young guys this week, I think. Um, and then you'll watch what you see from Arizona State – and see, you know, how you can attack them next week and, you know, get your guys ready for that. But I think that's the biggest thing. And the other thing is they've got some stuff to clean up. I, I mean, I know they've dominated these first three games, but I, I'll have a couple of tweets uh, in a couple of days. I've taken a couple of videos of different things. But, you know, you look at that. If you're Chris, you remember the sidearm throw to Zachariah Branch. And everybody, oh, look at him dropping angles and stuff like that. And the next play, I think, was a Marshawn Lloyd touchdown. The play to Zachariah Branch was set up perfectly – should have been a touchdown, and there are three defenders, and USC didn't block any of the three. So, like, small things like that that, hey, they got a first down on that. They still picked up four yards or something like that. But, hey, this is a touchdown play. Like, these are the things we're going to harp on during the bye week that, uh, you know, you're not going to get against Utah that you're getting against, you know, Stanford. Like, you know, if we, if we let guys go by our blocks, then we're going to have tackles for loss rather than four-yard gains that pick up a first down. So I think those things can be cleaned up. There's things on the defensive side, you know, getting aligned correctly, especially some of those younger guys that you want to get more opportunities for as the season goes along. You know, and, and I think Alex Grinch said it. He said they've seen a lot of formations, a lot of adjustments the first three weeks. And he said if you can survive it, it's what you want to see to open the season because now you can teach off of all those things. He said that's great as a coach to be able to see all those things and now be able to teach off those mistakes that they've had, and there's been a bunch of mistakes. So, uh, you know, it's, with the bye week this week, is a great opportunity for it. So I think that's the biggest things that they'll be focusing on this week before getting into full-on Arizona State game prep next week. And because it's Arizona State is a shell of the team, you know, that they – have the potential to be if they get a head coach and get everything. And Kenny Dillingham seems, seems to be going that way, but because of last season, then I, I think you're not really going to have to focus on that game early. Like it's not like you're playing Notre Dame uh, after the bye or you're playing Utah. Like those are the ones you probably start with your, you know, your game prep a lot sooner than you would necessarily, you know, facing this Arizona State team. Shotgun you owe me a stock down. All right. Well, let's jump into the stock down, stock up. Chris, I'm going to save my stock downs. I'm going to go with my stock ups because there's so many of them. I want to get some of them out of there. And you got to start with the man in the middle. I don't know, understand how he's not grading out better on, you know, PFF or anything, but Barry Alexander has been a monster. I wanted to do a story on last week. Didn't have the time just because I got sick. So unfortunately I will, or uh, was not able to do that before he had another big game. And yeah, everyone saw it on that first drive. He creates that turnover, but He's just he's taking up double teams. He's still fighting through those. He's been an absolute monster. I know he was leading the nation in pressures or something last week. Here's a stat for you, Chris. This is what was much more important than the fact that he was leading the nation because he had eight and it was through two games. So it's not that, you know, not an outrageous number, but he had six against Nevada. The last time USC had six. Okay, well, they, that's happened. They had a couple, uh, you know, a couple games last year. Tulu Tulu Peloto had more than six. Okay, what about the last time they had an interior defensive lineman get six? It hasn't happened in three years for them. You know, Marlon, they haven't had someone get more than six since Leonard Williams back in his final game. I think it's 2015, 2014. Uh, he had 10 against Nebraska. 
But as far as an interior lineman getting now, uh, you could say Rasheem Green, like where is he interior? Was he defensive? He did have seven in a game in 2018. But otherwise, like you haven't had an interior guy. Marlon Tui Pelotu in 2020 had a game with six, but no one has had more than six. So for him to get to six as an interior lineman uh, shows you what he's doing and how unique it's been for USC and how different that is. And you can see the impact it's having. And I, like I said, I, in my two minute drill is that guys are starting to realize, okay, Bears going to consistently push somebody back. Let me change what I, the direction I'm going. It's giving me, I can go a little bit deeper because, you know, the quarterback's got to go another step back. Uh, so now I've got an extra edge, you know, extra bit off the edge. I got a different angle that I can go. And I think those, those, um, another stock up for me were are the two uh, edge guys. You know, I've got unified edge rushing because Jamil Muhammad and Solomon Bird are both feasting right now. Both those guys had forced fumbles in this game. Solomon Bird has been a, a wrecking crew over there. He had a terrific game against Stanford. So he also had six pressures against um, Nevada as well. So those two guys are, are really feasting, and I think a lot of it is because of Bear Alexander and what he does to help them out as well. Right, and obviously interior pressure was a big weak point for USC's defense. Last season, it was something we talked about in the office. You need someone to get a push up the middle. It can't just always be Thule coming off the edge. Guy in the middle wrecks everything, does so much more damage than just one side. And I also had Solomon Bird on my stock up as well. I mean, just think about it, Shotgun. We weren't talking about Solomon Bird in the spring. Obviously, he was injured, so he's kind of an afterthought in that regard. Can't make the club have, in the tub. Can't make the club in the tub. Last year, he was he was a good he was a good player, but you know he never really fully grabbed that rush end position uh, with that kind of rotation that went on when Rom- Romello Height went down. Did have seven and a half tackles for loss, which you know pretty good time for second on the team. But he wasn't really a guy that was getting a lot of buzz going into this season. Moves moves down to defensive end, and he is just really blossomed. Second in the in the Pac-12 in tackles for a loss in four and a half. Again, he had seven and a half all of last season. Already has four and a half through three games this year. So he is just taking full advantage of this new position and this playing time. So he is just playing out of his mind right now. Uh Violent rip. He's, you know, cut that play to, on Ashton Daniels that kind of changed the outlook for their offense and knocking him out of the game. You know, nothing intentional, but just football's violent. And I know Sean knew was grinning ear to ear when he made that play and this, you know, caused that fumble. I don't think they got that fumble. They got that, uh, that one a couple plays later, but, but still just a guy playing like uh, a madman off the edge and couple that with, you know, Jamil Muhammad, as you mentioned, it's just been a match made in heaven for this edge. And so I'm just throwing that on there. I'll throw a new one out there. And since we're, you know, still talking about the defense, I have stock up on defensive swagger. This was something that we noticed in the early parts of last season where that, that defense sort of had this edge to them, you know, Eric Gentry on the sideline, you know, Tui Tui, Pelotu, Kalen Bullock, all these turnovers. They had this sort of confidence, you know, they really built it up. Obviously after the Oregon state game, they were just like sky high, and then the Utah game happened and, you know, they gave, they lost that game and they put, they gave up all those points. Eric Gentry got hurt and that became a theme in the weeks following and became questions in, in practices. Like how does this defense get their edge back? How do we, how do they get their edge back, their confidence back? And they never really got it back. As we nope. know, this is like the most confident I felt. I feel like the defense has been after Saturday night. This has been like their swagger has been 
the highest we've seen since, you know, early last season. And obviously that's a good thing. And as I mentioned, again, it's just Stanford. But again, even, you know, getting a, a, a victory like that against Stanford, that could do wonders for your confidence and has done wonders for the confidence. And they keep building and building and building. That defensive swagger is just only going to build and build as well across that whole unit. I saw it on the sideline when I was down there. Everyone was just having fun, had that energy, had that edge back. And again, you want to see that edge come out against, you know, the Washingtons and the Utahs and the Notre Dames coming up. But this is where you kind of can build that back up, build that confidence back. So stock up on defensive swagger slash confidence. Yeah, definitely big to get that back, you know, especially after last season and the whole offseason of hearing, oh, you guys are terrible. You guys are terrible. You guys are the reason you lost. You guys, all that, like, oh, can you guys do enough so that Caleb Williams, you know, can shine? All that type of stuff. Like, they've been hearing it over and over. So they talked about, you know, going into the first game. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to be out there. They wanted to make noise. And it wasn't great the first game, but it's great to see the improvement week after week. I think that's really important for them. Um, one of my stock ups, I have lightning strikes uh, because it hasn't necessarily been that way for USC where there's just electricity on both sides of the ball. I mean, you, you got the turnovers for one. And last year, you know, it was electric in that opener against Rice. But then the turnovers, like it, it didn't feel, it, it didn't feel, I guess, really after the Oregon State game, kind of like you pointed out. But after the Oregon State game and the turnovers they created there, like you didn't feel like the, the turnovers created electricity. It was more like, oh, thank goodness we got a turnover. It was, you know, catch your breath time when the defense did that. Now it's like, oh, what can happen now that they, you know, they, if someone comes off the edge, you're like, is he going to get there? Is he going to create it? And like they're doing so great with the technique too. Uh, you know, especially, you know, attacking that, sh- the the throwing shoulder, you know, right above the, basically the bicep. So that you're swiping down on it. We've seen it, what, three times now where those, those force fumbles have come from backside pressure that way. Um, so, you know, but the lightning strikes on that side, I, I think you're seeing the energy, the electricity when they do that. And then the lightning strikes on the other side. I mean, number one special, as we've said, but, you know, Caleb Williams, when he starts dancing around the pocket, you, everyone's starting to hold <gasps> Like you hear that, like that, you know, that inhale in the in the arena, in the you know, in, in the nation. If you're if you're here, see someone watching it. If you're in a bar watching USC right now, I feel like, especially if you're an opponent, if Caleb Williams starts dancing. It 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 might not be <gasps> because they're about to score. It might be, oh oh, here it comes. Like it, 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 I feel like that's coming everywhere. Not just for Caleb Williams. You you when he lets go of the ball, you're like, all right, who's gonna catch it? What's gonna happen here? When Marshawn Lloyd runs the ball, like everyone around, you just kind of feel that le- the electricity coming, and it's just when that electricity pops. Okay, that's when you know that's when one takes the ball up the middle, up the seam, and you know you got a lightning strike happening. So uh, I got I got a, a stock up on lightning strikes for you, Chris. I'm gonna kind of build off that as well because I have stock up on Tyreek Hill comparisons because obviously <laughs> Tyreek Hill was in the Coliseum along with uh, Robbie Chosen, formerly Robbie Alexander, uh, Robbie. Robinson, sorry, not no Robbie Anderson. Man, I really screwed that up. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Tyreek Hill was the main event there on the sideline in terms of celebrity. And obviously, there's a guy who was compared to him out of high school, Zachariah Branch. You already mentioned that that special special play of his, and obviously uh, the electricity last season. You know, punts for USC were just a thing that happened. Now they feel like the possibility for something special to happen every time. You have to really pay attention. Punt and kick return. You have to stop what you're doing. If you're going to the bathroom, you have to stop in that aisle and you have to look. 
if you if you're going up to get if you're going up to get uh food or concessions, you have to wait until after the punt. You cannot leave your seat when Zachariah Branch is going to return a punt or going to take off a kickoff or t- return a kickoff because you don't know what's going to happen when he's on the field. So Tyreek Hill was in the building. Obviously, it was it was really special for Zachariah Branch to do something that special and take it back 75 yards while that man, the man he's compared to the most, is in the in, is in the building. So I thought that was really cool. So I have stock up on the Tyreek Hill comparison, and then obviously Tyreek showing him a little bit of love on the sideline. Yeah, Tyreek even said one video was like, "I may not be the fastest guy here tonight." You know, he said Zach Branch is special out there. Um, it, did you kind of see their interaction? I heard there there was an actual interaction between them during the game. I I did I saw I just saw the video. I was trying to like I saw Tyreek Hill and I like beeline to him to try to like watch that interaction, obviously for my ghost notes, but then I lost Tyreek Hill. It's so easy. I'm like an NFL <laughs> cornerback. I, I lost him. It's okay. Cause he was going to the sideline and then this is kind of like hurted, but he was going to the sideline, then Cooper Lovelace intercepted him because Cooper Lovelace has uh from Kansas, you know. Tyreek Hill with the Kansas City Chiefs, and I believe he played Juco out there as well. So he was just kind of talking about that. And then Tyreek got on the camera, like the big screen camera, and then he walked back over to the other side. So then I was just waiting for him to come back, but I never saw him, you know, in the chaos of the game. So I didn't actually get to see that interaction. might have happened earlier before I even realized he was there. So, yeah, but I was keeping my eye on for them after the game, post game. I, like, found Zachariah. I was like, it's going to be easier to follow Zachariah than like find True. Tyree Kill. So I just stayed on Zachariah the entire time, but did not see Tyreek at the end of the game on the on the field. Probably has already dipped out. That often happens with the pro players. They're like, oh, I've seen enough, especially when it's you know forty nine three at halftime. It's probably like, all right, I've seen enough. And and when when Caleb Williams, they come out for the second half, Caleb Williams is not participating. You're going, all right, it's we'll call it a night, or let's head to the club, or whatever you want to do. Um, you know, go get some food. You got a game the next day, probably not going to club, but you know, some players do. Uh, I got uh stock up on the line of demarcation forming, and by that, I mean, <laughs> what Chris, come on, big themes, big themes all around, a little bit of a theme here, yeah. Line of demarcation forming because it seems like you're seeing there's becoming a pretty good gap between first string maybe a couple of rotation guys in there and that second string. Um, you know, a lot of people, the P has been clamoring for this person or that person that's a backup and they get in there and you see, okay, there's where the divide is. We're seeing that a little bit more. Um, so I think you see that why the coaches have picked some of the guys they picked to be the starters and be the guys that are in that main rotation versus some of the young bucks that are still trying to get their feet wet and those type things. Now I think it's great for them to get their feet wet and get those play those reps and for them to be able to coach off that this week and all that stuff. But I think you're seeing that, that divide a little bit more. So, and the, it kind of has shrunk down um, and I'll get to it in stock down, but it shrunk down some of the rotations as well um, of, of how many players are being used outside of, okay, this game is over. We're putting everyone in in the second half. First half, rotations were were definitely much tighter in this game than they were in the first two. I have stock up on Lake McCree. Shout out to the tight ends getting some work. He was you know, a factor in that first quarter, got a touchdown in the first half, his first of the season. I just want to read off some stats. Lake McCree has eight catches for 75 yards and a score through three games this season all of last season he recorded 10 receptions 
for 106 yards and two touchdowns. So he's already on pace to smash those numbers through three games. So obviously only had one catch against Nevada, but had multiple catches against San Jose State and then a season-high four against Stanford. So Lake McCree, you know, becoming a little bit of a, a little bit of a weapon. I think Caleb Williams has has built that trust up with him, going to him in the red zone. So like, I just want to give a little love to, to, to Lake McCree for, you know, a, a really solid game that maybe gets overlooked by a lot of other things that happened in the first half of that game. But, you know, some love for the tight ends from a former tight end like myself. Yeah, and, and you know, making plays out there and, you know, they able to use him because there's so many other weapons. Chris, think about how many weapons USC has. You got a lot. We know that part, right? Here's something that stood out to me. Who's the leading rusher for USC? Marshawn Lloyd. Who's second leading? Quentin Joyner. The third leading rusher is your starter, Austin Jones. Okay, that's, you know, Austin Jones left a little early last week. He only, basically only played two snaps after, um, to correct myself from last week, he only he did play two more snaps after hitting his head, um, but didn't need him, didn't use him, save him up for, how about receiving? Okay, your leading receiver is Taj Washington. He hasn't started a game this season. Your second leading receiver is Deuce Robinson, feasting in the fourth quarter. You don't have a starter as your first two top rushers or receivers, that's how many weapons USC has. And Brendan Rice, who's their their third leading receiver after that seventy five yard touchdown, he's he hasn't started all three games. He started I don't know if it's one or two games. So you know, Dorian Singer is your fourth leading receiver. So maybe it's your fourth leading receiver is your first true starter so far this season. That's just crazy to me that that's how deep they are and how many different weapons they've used is that their third leading rusher and their third or fourth leading receiver, depending on how you want to look at it, is the first starter that you mentioned when you look down the the stat lines. So that's just crazy to me. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And it's just like wealth of weapons. Like, to be honest, I like sort of forgot Doran Singer was playing in this game until he caught a touchdown. (laughs) And also Doran Singer has the same amount of catches as Lake McCree, a tight end. So it's just like... Just crazy all the all the weapons they have on the field. And you know, guys are still eating. They're still finding ways to feed all these guys. Yeah, I got six different guys that have at least eight receptions and Lake McCree being one of them definitely stands out when you look at that that factor there. Um uh, another stock up I had was actually Killian O'Connor, you know, the backup center. And I'm not necessarily talking about his play. I haven't got fully through watching the second half and seeing how well he plays in that. But the fact that he is the guy that they have put in for both last week after Gino Quinones goes down and this week he got all the you know backup run at center um, tells you that if someone goes down he's likely going to be the guy if, if Justin Dietrich goes down excuse me that he's likely the guy that goes in at center because otherwise you would be getting whoever it may be whether it be you know Monheim or Tarquin or uh, you know Emmanuel Pregnant if you thought that was the next guy to be your center the way in the first week. They got Genio Quinones a, a, a drive at center before they put all the reserves in. You know, that tells you that that's probably the guy that goes in behind Justin Dietrich. Now it's been Killian O'Connor for the last two weeks. So stock up on him, walk on center. 
Uh, if Justin Dedes goes down, could he be the guy? It seems like it so far. You know, I know everyone thinks, oh, they'll put they'll move somebody over, but they would get them those game reps because you want to get okay. Let's get him some snapping time for one. Let's get him time being the guy that leads the communication, the identifier of the fronts and all that type of stuff. And the fact that it's Ben O'Connor uh, tells you they got a lot of confidence in in the walk on to to be the guy. Shout out to the PWO trending in the direction to get a maybe a scholarship down the line. Like Riley said last week, they haven't given out any scholarships to preferred walk-ons or some guys they do. I feel like Killian O'Connor is definitely one of those guys mm-hmm. on the board to like, let's get him a scholarship. I only had one more stock up. I had it for turnovers, which you kind of mentioned just multiple turnovers because, you know, they had been kind of been like dancing around getting multiple turnovers in a game. And they were so good at forcing turnovers last year. They were kind of waiting for that. Bryson Shaw kind of mentioned they were like feeling so close to doing it and then to get it with two strip sacks. And then obviously the interception from Max Williams to start the game created by a big pressure from Bear Alexander. That's what pressure does. And that's what kind of the defensive backs talked about. Like when they're getting so much pressure, it's so much fun for us. It makes our job so much easier. So, you know, it, it helps everyone, obviously. But to finally break through and get have a multi-turnover game, you know, it's, it's a nice to break through and kind of come off. Because it felt like you've been dancing around that. As I mentioned, they were kind of getting close to getting at least two in a game. To pop on three, you know, finally, finally break that seal and get multiple in a game. Yeah, and those are the easy ones that are often the pick six ones. And it was nearly a pick six on that one is... The receiver hasn't even turned his head around. Max Williams is looking at the play and sees it the whole way. He's just like, oh, money, 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 money coming right down into my hands. I'm going to take it back. Um, he gets tripped up about the 10-yard line, falls forward to about the four, I think. And they, they they figured, hey, let's go ahead and get a penalty, give the offense a couple more yards before they score because we know they're going to score because that's what happened. My last stock up uh, is schematics. I I thought it was a brilliant game plan from Lincoln Riley, the way they attacked David Bailey in particular. You know, David Bailey is a, is a homewrecker. You know, if he has a chance to just attack, 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 but they put him in conflict over and over and over and over, whether it be with Link, with uh, Caleb Williams doing the read options or, all right, we're sending a guy out off your edge, um, whether it be, hey, we put Taj Washington into the backfield as a running back and we run him through and we're going to put him out in the uh, the flat towards your side, David Bailey. Now, do you cover him or do you want to come after Caleb Williams? Because if you come after Caleb Williams, he's dumping it off and Taj is taking it for, you know, for 15 yards or whatever. So they just constantly kept him from being the attacking menace that he can be so I, I thought the game plan there was fantastic you saw actually the Marshawn Lloyd touchdown uh run that he had David Bailey runs right by him trying to go make a hit on Caleb Williams and then there goes Marshawn Lloyd so like they constantly were putting him like all right who are you gonna who are you gonna hit who are you gonna try to get and you know that's what this D, this offense does so well is it puts people in conflict, defenders, you know, trying to figure out all right, which way are they going? Are they going, you know, are there two guys pulling and going this way because they're running the ball? Or are they pulling those guys out of the way and they're going to run a backside screen, um, you know, with, with Zachariah Branch? You know, they do so many of those things so well where there's movement and motion that just is so much eye candy going at one, one time. And it's not necessarily eye candy in the normal regard, which is, hey, let's move with a bunch of shifts or stuff pre-snap. This is all stuff taking place in the snap and you got to diagnose it as you're on the move. And, you know, that's, that's what can be very difficult for defenders. And, you know, for, for David Bailey, it was a long night uh, because he couldn't get any pressure because he was constantly being attacked in, in different ways with different options and, and different looks like that. So I thought the schematics of that 
uh, game plan, especially after David Bailey made some plays against them last year in particular. Um, he was the one defender that you knew you, you knew his name going into the game. And he's the one guy that didn't do anything in this game. Actually, you know, transitioning us into stock down, I actually had stock down on David Bailey. So that kind of plays well. I mean, not stock down as him as a player, but just like USC absolutely made him a non-factor in this game, which goes to the schematics and the the great coaching to to do that because we talked about how David Bailey is a monster and that guy's going to play on Sundays and, you know, three sacks last week against Hawaii, only three tackles in this game, no tackles for a loss, no nothing. They completely took him out of the game, their biggest chess piece. And to do that was just, you know, a masterclass for Lincoln Riley and that offense to kind of make their stud a non-factor on defense. So yeah, I had stocked down on David Bailey because he wasn't a factor and that was huge for the offense to get going and stay going all night. And then, so I'll play into one of my other ones, which is just the second half of that game because it just felt like things, it was, you, nothing really happened in that second half. You know, it was just like a thing that happened on Saturday night. The, the, the first, the first half was just so electric and memorable. And the second half was just, just a, it's a football game. You know, nothing special when they ruin my, my fellow helium boys, chance to back up his 70 burger because they were really in that range after 49 points of the first half shotgun i'd be feeling great for that 70 burger prediction he made on this podcast and double down with uh on our spread picks so they they let you down shotgun they, they let you down in a big way three touchdowns you know you felt like could easily have got that done but but you know the sec- second second half offense was just uh loafing and then you had the penalty on the michael jackson uh pump return could have could have been another one so it was just like just just stock down on the second half of that game. Yeah, how ridiculous is Vegas? The uh, over-under was 70. They finished at 66. Um, you know, so, yeah, I was disappointed that it wasn't. I thought it was a, a good, but I also knew I'm like 49-3. Oftentimes when you see those big blowout scores at halftime, like things just kind of, the air lets out of the balloon in the second half, and that's actually what happened in this one. Uh, real quick, back to the David Bailey uh, mentioned. He had three tackles in the game. I do want to give his stats out. He had three tackles, um, no you know, no hits on the quarterback, anything like that. But those tackles were eight-yard gain, an eight-yard gain, and a 12-yard gain. Twice on Lake McCree, once on Zachary Branch down the field on a screen pass. So, you know, if you get one of the elite pass rushers to make three tackles and all of them be at least eight yards down the field, you're doing a really good job there. So uh, I just want to put that in there. I got stocked down on beating a dead horse. And by that, I kind of mean that, like, not beating a dead horse, but – they ran a dead horse, almost a dead horse. You know, Traveler could not run for all the touchdowns in the first half. USC was scoring so frequently and so much or so so fast and so frequently that Traveler did not run his traditional lap down to the, the, uh, the peristyle end after every touchdown. So, you know, probably a little bit more freedom for you, Chris, to roam because normally we get kind of roped off and you kind of you got to watch out because you do not want to be run over by a horse. But the horse was just loafing in this game. You know, Traveler got got Traveler's got to be prepared. You got to get some better uh, offseason cardio going or something here. Especially, you know, it was a hot day going into mm-hmm. that day. It was a little, little little heat, humidity in the in the in the in the evening, even though the, the heat kind of broke nicely, but it was still kind of hot. Throughout most of the evening, you know, I think it would help if you just got two horses. Don't even have to tell anyone. Just keep a spare horse in the back, just like to back up, you know, bring that bring that baby in. No, not turnover traveler. That's a whole different thing. I'm not talking about that. Turnover traveler would have got work 
on a Saturday as well. Maybe maybe you slow him down after that uh that second strip sack, but because he is a baby horse, baby lungs, baby heart, <laughs> baby legs, you know, it's, it's it's not you can't can't go full can't go full 45, 48, you know. But yeah, so yeah, just a backup traveler, you know, maybe 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 something they look into. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, if there's some adjustments made there, come on, traveler. You know, I know it's it's bye week now. You got some time to get some extra training in. Of course, the heat will subside a little bit, uh, but maybe they got to send traveler out to the desert uh, for the Arizona State game. Be like, all right, you got to make penance. You know, you got to run the heat and, uh, you know, be ready for another 50 or 60 points. Uh, my last stock down is a uh, stock down on getting murdered by a tight end. Because USC was able to contain uh, Ben Urasek, I thought there might the be more part. to the more to this uh, getting no, no, murdered no, by no. a tight end. No, no, just just absolutely demolished by a tight end. You know, Ben Urasek. You know, a little bit of a factor, but not the sense of you know destroying USC's defense. Had five carries for 19 yards uh, and four catches for 54 yards. Very respectable. A lot of that was in the garbage time in the second half, but USC did a really good job of taking out their clear number one weapon. And also, you know, obviously getting your number one quarterback thrown out of the game or, or knocked out of the game, excuse me, in the first half really changes the game plan. The offensive game plan limits them uh, with a backup in there. But again, just a really good job in not getting murdered by the tight end, which is something we wanted to see them do not get murdered by a tight end. Yeah, that's uh there have been, Cases of that in USC lore, but also there have been murdering tight ends, Chris. So that's why I wasn't sure exactly where you were going with that to begin with. Um, stock down for didn't even didn't even think about that uh, shotgun. Get yeah. your mind out of the uh, the gutter. Now that you have said uh, get it, get your you mind out of the stop. the swamp. Uh, whatever the documentary that's not very good is uh, Swamp Kings. Swamp, swamp Kings. Kings. I'm still entertained by it. I, I will say that I'm still very entertained by it, even though it's not giving me anything of what I wanted. I got stocked down for Anthony Lucas. Uh, so this is an interesting one. Anthony Lucas actually has not played that much the last two weeks. Uh, he only played, uh, according to PFF, I haven't finished my charting of the game, but according to PFF, he only played 18 snaps in this game. He did not play in the first quarter last week. I don't think he played in the first quarter of, of this week's game either. Like I say I still haven't finished all the charting and stuff. I'll have that uh, you know later this week or hopefully tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, but you know, it's very interesting. He graded out really well as far as pro football focus and did some damage when he got in there, but he's fallen behind. He started the opener. Jamil Muhammad was rotating in with him. Now Jamil Muhammad is kind of taking over that spot and they've let him run with it. So uh, I'd be curious to see how Anthony Lucas kind of bounces back from this after the bye week and how he's kind of used going forward for USC. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. You know, personally, I would have put him in stock neutral. Put him in stock <laughs> neutral because 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 you because you got it. Still time. There's still time. Shotgun. We'll, we'll, oh yeah, there's still time say. for everything. We're going. The stocks go up and they go down. Chris, he was one of the guy, one of the three or four guys on the defense that we expect to make an immediate impact. Former five star guy coming in, transfers in. Everyone wants to see what the transfers can do. You know, a lot of expectations coming in. In the last two weeks, he's not played that much, so he's not starting. He's not making a, you know, he hasn't got his first sack yet. So there's still some stock down there. A, I think it's a very fair and valid point. All right. Well, I got no, no one else, no other stock downs for you, Tuck. 
tight All right, end. I, I got a couple tight end shotgun. I got a couple more. Uh, one was the O-line rotations just stocked down as far as they're not mixing and matching anymore. You know, it's pretty solid throughout. The only the you know, the the starting five stayed together the entire first half, except for one exception being when Mason Murphy would rotate in at the right tackle position. I believe that was the same rotation all the way through. Even last week, they did a bunch of different things. You know, this the first week they had five different offensive line rotations before all the reserves got in last week they had four different ones and three of them were brand new so you know would Gina Quinones go down that play part of it but they decided you know that starting five is a starting five Jonah Monheim Emmanuel Pregnon Justin Dedich uh Jarrett Kingston and Michael Tarquin have been your primary five throughout the game and they did rotate some in with Mason Murphy at right tackle for Michael Tarquin but that's usually every three series so you're saying you know Tarquin's getting two-thirds of the action Mason Murphy's getting one-third but the rotations have kind of shrunk there you saw that with a couple other positions too the DBs you've seen that um and then the linebackers are one spot where they're still continuing to rotate some guys and I'm interested to see if Mason Cobb comes back healthy how does that kind of uh change that does it continue do they you know how many guys they want to try to mix in at the the linebacker position too and the last one i had is stock down for old rivalries i mean it's the Mm. constant theme in college football you know old rivalries are going to die more and more um you know are oregon and oregon state going to play in the future you know when it's the pack two and the big 10 are washington state and washington going to play pack 10 and uh or big 10 and pack two i don't know uh, but you've you've lost a lot of times the Texas Texas A and M or you know those old um, Southwest Conference rivals and stuff down there. And, you know the, there's a bunch of them that have happened because of conference realignment and USC. I doubt they will play Stanford anytime soon. Um, I don't I don't know what the allure would be there uh, outside of the rivalry. Just the fact that you're adding a third. Uh, you would be at our second Power Five team, and a couple of these seasons coming up, they already have a second one to go along with Notre Dame. So I think it makes it that much more difficult to kind of fit it in there, um, unless you're just thinking that Stanford is going to be, you know, a, a poor team going forward. And I think Troy Taylor, I, I think he, he's a good coach, so I think he's going to turn the program around eventually. But um, so I don't know why that would be something that USC really seeks out to try to add after having to play Notre Dame and with some of the other games that are already scheduled right now. Maybe that becomes a 2038 game or something. The 2038 and 2040 matchups between USC and Stanford were announced today. You know, those, those type of announcements. You're like, what? Why? Why, why can't they just wait, you know, a year before and make some uh, matchups so we know what they actually will be? You know, well, well, we, I love going to the Stanford campus. So I hope that I can make one, a return trip at some point within the next. Oh, I don't know, five years, but we'll see. Like Riley said, joke that it might be two years when it comes back when everything gets reshuffled again. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, always tough to see a a good rivalry uh, end. Well, that's going to do it for Stock Up, Stock Down. Like these rivalries, we're ending this segment. It's over. We'll come back to it maybe in the future. We'll see. But let's take a break, Chris. Let's refresh. Let's get recharged ready to go for the second half, and hopefully we have a better second half than uh, what was on display between Stanford and USC um, on Saturday.
Welcome back to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for being a part of the, the community that we have here. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, doing all those things as well. And I only got one photo last week or from last week's game of someone with Chris. So I know there's a lot of sightings out there, Chris Trevino sightings. So I want some more photos. So when, when you guys see him and I'll be out at Arizona state for the next one. So if anyone's coming out there, we want to take a photo with you. You know, it's, it's off, often the way I end up learning people's names is because I see people, I meet people. I don't remember anyone's name until I see it visually, whether it's written, when it's written down and I can see the image of someone, then it kind of melds into my brain finally. But uh, welcome back to the break, Chris. Hope you had a good time. Let's jump into some questions. Can I comment on the photo thing real quick? Go for it. I completely forgot you put that call out to the listeners to do that. And I think you needed to kind of remind people you, next time you should remind people That's with true. a tweet because our podcast, you know, is recorded on Monday, comes out Tuesday, a lot of days in between that shotgun. So I think people kind of forgot about it but yeah i did get one and i it was up in the press box after the game and i completely was like why does he want to take a selfie with me and then he <laughs> and then i was like oh yes completely just blanked on it so yeah so even i forgot that that was the thing right. so yeah i, think, I gotta be better i, just, I gotta be better just, okay yeah we're always improving shaka we're always improving you know we get better week to week that's how we do these things exactly my need we don't say my bad it's my need. I needed to be better. So uh, I'll do that. All right. We'll, we'll make some adjustments. Make adjustments, not excuses. That's one that my roommate hates hearing because I say it all the time. That comes straight from one of my coaches in college. So uh, M-A-N-E, make adjustments, not excuses. Chris, let's jump into some questions. We've got a good amount, not ton of them football related because you asked for some movie related ones and people jumped Look, on I, it or like oh I, I got something for you i got something I, i'm waiting for this opportunity so uh let's jump into our questions let's start with the football one so uh meg 16 asked zachariah branch over under 13 touchdowns and how many touchdowns would he have to have to get an invite to new york for the heisman I was this was a take it or leave it i think early in the season with 12 touchdowns for him you did you left it so I'm curious what I you're feel gonna, like I'm regretting gonna, that now. Yeah, he's, he's, you feel like you're getting that. Yeah, I wanted to see if you'll take the new bait on this one, but I'm not betting against that guy, so I would go with the over just because I don't want to go against Zachariah Branch. This is a hard proposition because two of those are on returns, and you figure people are eventually going to have to not punt to him. Not kick to him. How 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 long can you go without putting the ball in his hands? Um, you know, you kick a couple out of bounds. You know, how much pressure does USC's offense as is put on you? But what makes me want to take this now, and why I think I'm going to take the over, is because I'm seeing the way Lincoln Riley is designing stuff for him. Last year, there was a lot of stuff designed for Jordan Addison. There was some stuff designed for Mario Williams, but the designs now granted Lincoln Riley hasn't run much unique stuff yet because they haven't had to, they don't need to, but the couple of the unique things have been run for Zachariah branch. He's been the guy to be in the backfield instead of Mario Williams last year. He's been the guy that they ran a bit, basically ran the same formation last year with Mario Williams 
the goal line run that they gave to uh, Zachariah Branch, where they motion him to an H-back spot. There's already a tight end in the backfield as a potential lead blocker. Um, and then they you know give a jet sweep motion and hand the ball off to him. That's something they did last year. So I, I think that if he's your – the guy you're drawing things up for, that means you're more than likely going to find him. You know, the Jordan Addison was hiding in the backfield on the play where they were going tempo against UCLA. Jordan Addison, you ran him on uh, the specific motion against Utah and got him a touchdown early in that game. Like those type of plays that, okay, we're going to score a touchdown in this play where we're confident this is going to work. So who's the person we want to give the ball to? And it seems like Zachariah Branch is the guy because of the speed he has coming off the edge and everything else. So because of that, I think I'm going to change my answer from my previous take it, leave it. And I'm going to go with a 13 is a big number with this many weapons, but I'm going to go over because they're scoring a lot of touchdowns right now. And even with the clock rules, USC is not slowing down. How many is this? It's the last call. Last call. call. You know, know I don't. You you know I have you on notifications. What do you mean, last call? We have a bunch of questions. What are, what are you doing seeking more questions? I'm just seeing if we get a good football one to add to here at the end. We'll see. Uh, uh, Michael, uh, what, how many touchdowns would he have to get to get an invite to, uh, for the Heisman? Any at least number, 16. You, 16? At least uh, 16, uh, I think. Uh, and But it, it all depends on the yardage. I think he would need to be a 1,000-yard receiver for sure. But at tight end, you know, excuse me, uh, receiver uh De- Devonta adams won with 23 touchdowns obviously we're not picking him to win so i think between like 16 to like that 20 range is good enough to get him there i think marquise lee got there with about 14 touchdowns but that was with 1700 yards as well so you know that kind of range of 16 in a and a good number of those would not a good number but some of those would have to be you know more punt returns and his all-purpose yardage would be pretty high too assuming you know, he does all those things. So, yeah, I would say around 16 would be the minimum. Yeah, I mean, the yardage is not is not there right now. Uh, I mean, he's got 110, as far as receiving, he's got 110 yards in three games. Like, that's not anything that wows at all. And But it's going to be the combination of can you get some rushing touchdowns, the kick return, punt return. And, again, I think that goes back to will people, you know, actually kick to him or not. Uh, Michael wanted to know, why do you think the offense favors pass attempts versus rushes to start the season? They're saving those running backs, man. I think they're saving some wear and tear on those running backs. This is my theory. You know, you, you'll need your running backs on the road in Notre Dame. You'll need them against Utah. You'll need them in those big games at the end of the year. I, I think you're just saving your running backs. You know, save some wear and tear on those guys. I know you're deep room, but so you just want to save those guys. You save those guys as far as the wear and tear? but you also allows you to express yourself with so many more weapons because, you know, there's, there's four wide receivers on the field for a lot of plays and you spread a ball out and Hey, you know, for a, for a receiver to feel like he is doing fine right now, he gets four catches, right? Like that's, that's your leading receiver in some of these games is four catches for Taj Washington, but a running back, like you can't just have four carries and be like, okay, that's, you know, you felt like you're, you know, that you got the ball enough times. They've been getting those guys seven, eight touches each game, those starters. So I think that's what it is, too. I think you're wanting to spread the ball out. And, hey, while we're blowing people out, we want to keep everybody happy as much as possible. So then when we get into those games where 
the rotations shrink a lot for the receivers and for the running backs. Okay, now we need to lean on one guy and we can give him 20 carries or we can give him 20 touches at least. So I think that's a big part of it too. And he also asked, Mr. Gunn, what is your favorite airport to fly into when covering USC home games and why is it LGB? Long Beach is amazing. I love flying into Burbank as well. Neither one of those have direct flights from Philly, though. So it's LAX because it is the one I end up flying to every time. Um, Also because I know the bus route to just hop on the bus and go basically straight to the studio. So that's usually what happens when I come in on Thursdays. Just grab it, take a $1.75 bus fare instead of spending 40 or 50 bucks on an Uber. You know, I'm a spendthrift. So, you know, I just hop on the bus, keep doing some work on my phone or whatever on the way down there and go straight to the studio to record Thursday tunnel vision usually. All right, Chris, let's jump into the, do you have something? Go ahead. I was just going to say, because obviously I fly to Long Beach as much as I can. Shout out to Long Beach. If you've never done it, you're missing out. So I know it's a small airport, but it's so much better. So if you can fly out of Long Beach or fly into Long Beach. It's it's terrific for Pac-12 trips, especially because, you know, most of their flights are, you know, on the West Coast from Long Beach. Now, you can connect somewhere else and whatnot. Um, and, you know, if there is a connection, I'm looking for Long Beach often um, because I just make Chris come pick me up from the airport. And he won't care oh, yeah. because it's Long Beach. You get in and out in like three seconds versus when he's had to drop me off after Tunnel Visions on Sunday and it takes us 45 minutes just to get through the loop at LAX. It's very annoying. But Burbank is also wonderful too. I don't want any any shine taken away from Burbank. I love Ontario actually too if it wasn't so freaking far away. So Chris, now let's move in to some movie questions. You asked for people to send maybe a movie one. And you got a lot of responses because people love movies more than they have in-depth football questions after 56 to 10 blowouts. So we're going to start with the, you know, someone who's familiar on this podcast, you know, she used to be a part of the family feud and then she left us all, Chris, how could she do that? Keely Yor wants to know what's a movie I should actually watch during the buy. Now, this is a little bit of an insider, I don't know if joke's not the right word, but insider bit, because if you if you listen to The Family Feud from back yonder year, then you would know that Keely rarely ever watches movies, and every time we would bring one up, she'd be like, oh, I haven't watched that. So what is a movie she should actually watch during the buy? Well, I'm not sure if she means in theaters or out of theaters, just what or like at home streaming, but if you haven't seen Barbie... Go see Barbie. Great, great experience. I'm actually going to go see Oppenheimer this week. But like a random streaming movie that you could watch that I it's on Paramount Plus right now. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons was a very fun movie. Not a lot of pressure. You have to really uh, super pay attention. But good heart. Really funny if you just want like a, a nice, chill, fun movie. So I would say Dungeons and Dragons, which is streaming. So very easy to get to. Interesting. Uh, If we're going with recent, I'd immediately go, oh, double feature. She's got to watch Varsity Blues and The Replacements because I'm pretty sure she hasn't seen either one of those football movies, uh, knowing her. So talk about some football movies here in a little bit. We will. So that was my immediate thought. If we're going with something more recent, then 
I watched Cocaine Bear on a uh, plane and thought it was was pretty hilarious. So now that USC has a bear in the middle and, you know, he's mauling people kind of similar to the Cocaine Bear uh, in the movie, I think you should check that one out. It's, you know, very lighthearted, or not lighthearted, but it's very not serious. Uh, So I thought it was pretty humorous and there's some, some, um, some notable people in it that make it fun, too. Oh, I don't think R- Keely has R- seen the R.I.P. Ray Loyota. Loyota. Uh, I don't think she. I don't think Keely has seen the uh, Into the Spider Verse movies, the animated ones, which are Ooh, those are good. Won too. the Academy. Won the Academy Award. Uh, the first one and the second one was amazing. So, if possible, watch those back to back. They're so good. I have not seen those the second one because uh, I'm way behind on everything in the Marvel universe, uh, which we'll touch on a little bit. Uh, but the first one was amazing. I actually watched it on a plane recently, too. If you haven't caught the drift, I have been flying a lot. I'm actually going to be flying soon. In a couple, I guess, days, I'll be heading out of Georgia, hopefully to see uh, USC's 2026, maybe to be 2025 commit, Juju Lewis, as well as possibly Cameron Fountain as well. So getting down to Georgia to check out some recruiting stuff is, uh, this week with the bye week going on. Chris, now we have a... Question from Fidon Rusty, you know, a prolific USC Twitterer that I'm just going to let you handle because you you have a better in-depth knowledge of, of movies than I do. Um, we looked at this a little bit, but there are several Batmans. So which current player is each version of Batman and why? This is a great question. This is also a very detailed question, one I want to take seriously. <laughs> but it's so hard to kind of think of these things off the top. But I did do a little bit of research. Now, there's a bunch of Batman throughout the uh, the cinematic universe, as we know. So these will be more modern ones. But there are, you know, you know, different Batmans, obviously, with different actors. You know, you have Robert Pattinson, the most recent Batman, Ben Affleck, Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney. I will not be including Caleb Williams in this because he is Superman. Superman is not Batman, so he cannot. Right. he's not eligible for this. So with that in mind, just keep that in mind. I mean, when you think of Robert Pattinson, the, he's the young Batman. He is the, the Batman that's just kind of starting out the early case of Batman. He's not like Christian Bale. Christian Bale's been Batman for quite some time. You know, Robert Pattinson still makes mistakes. He's still a little bit wild when he fights. He's still kind of finding himself. For me, that's a freshman. That's a really talented freshman, you know? I I, I think I'm going to go with Alani Noah for this one because you're in the trenches, baby. Batman's in the trenches. He's out there getting it. And, you know, Alani Noah is super talented, super strong, like a good Batman. But he makes mistakes. You know, he's going to learn. He's going to grow. He's going to take some hits in the trenches out there. So I think Alani Noah makes makes my pick for Robert Pattinson. I know you're thinking Tackett Curtis is the perfect one for this, but obviously he's Captain America. He's not eligible either. He's in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. This doesn't make any sense, Shotgun. So I have to steer away from those guys. And I'm going to go Alani Noah just because he's a young, he's talented, making mistakes. He's in a brutal position where he's going to get beat up, but he's also going to beat some people up. All right, I, I like it. I see what you're working with there. All right, what do we got? Uh, who else? Which other Batmans are we covering here? Who I mean, next? obviously, ben, Aff- ben Affleck is a guy who was sort of really 
polarizing when he was a uh, picked for Batman. You know, it's like, oh, this is a meme. It's Ben Affleck. He was kind of overhyped. But I think now some people didn't uh, most. I don't think a lot of people liked his Batman impression. But I think it's to the point where if you look back on it, he actually did not do a bad job as Batman. That's my kind of hot take. So much so that I think he's actually kind of an underrated Batman. He was kind of an overachiever. I think he was trying really, really hard to be Batman. I think he was trying really <laughs> hard to be a good Batman. Maybe he got a little bit lost in the role and actually thought he was the Batman, if that makes sense. <laughs> Does that make sense, Shotgun? Where, he, where he, he's kind of... And I've kind of backed myself in the corner because I, I mentioned that he's polarizing to the extent that people don't are not that he's overhyped but i i just think that this person the person that fits this is stanley tawafu because he's an overachiever you know you think you think like oh stanley is going to start a defensive tackle and people are like oh my god stanley's gonna start what the heck but he just makes plays go back and watch those batman movies they're not great but Ben Affleck makes some plays and he's a grinder and he's strong as hell. You know, we've seen Ben Affleck with his shirt off. It's a thing. Go look at it. Stanley is always going to be, I think he's underrated. He's underrated is what I'm telling you about this Ben Affleck. This thing is going off the rails, but that's my pick. The real question then is, does Stanley Taufu have, have to have Dunkin' Donuts? Uh, Dunkies? Yeah, so he has to have his Dunkin' uh, coffee. So Next time we'll ask him if he... he, uh, he <laughs> put a put a put a boston accent on a polynesian see what that, right. see what that okay. turns out interesting too. all right so i um, haven't seen the ben affleck one so i can't comment really on this one let's go to the one we all know by christian bale i mean obviously this is caleb williams if he's not already superman christian bale is the prototypical batman you know he is the one he is the guy he is this is what everyone thinks about when they think about Batman. This is, you know, the the one the generation of kids grew up with. This is like our Batman shotgun. You you've seen these, right? I've seen I've seen all the rest of the Yeah, the you've Batmans. seen all these. He is the one. He is the only the Batman, the one we all think of. And this one's really tough because I don't know if anyone fits that other than other than uh you know, Caleb Williams, but I'm going to give it to Zachariah Branch because Zachariah Branch is so damn cool and Christian Bale Batman <laughs> is so damn cool and he has all these gadgets and not saying Zachariah Branch is a gadget player but he's so versatile he could do so many things and obviously I wrote here him he is him and what do I say about Zachariah Branch he is him so it just makes sense that I have to go Christian Bale the smoothest of the Batmans has to be Zachariah Branch I mean I can't argue with that uh, yeah, Christian, yeah. Right. Christian, when you put the one and you put him on there as your description of, of this Batman, I was like, oh, he's got, he's, he's definitely going Zachariah Branch on that one. So, all right, I, go ahead. I'm saying if it can't be Caleb, that's the next person I think of. That's the next person I think of. All right, so then, let's take it back to uh, the OG. So I grew up with with some of these guys. Now Michael Keaton was a, a little bit uh, the very beginning of mine, uh, you know, because I think that was 89 was the first one and 91, 92 was this, the Batman Returns. Um, so, you know, that's when I was formative years there, Chris. But, I, you know, I've watched those over. I watched the uh, the original Batman not too long ago, actually, to to see uh, Jack Nicholson in it um, as the Joker. And, you know, 
just check that one out because it's been so long. What about Michael Keaton? What about the what about the uh, the the original of the the movie Batman's? This might be my last one because I this is the last one I really think thought about. But you know, he's a classic Batman. He's OG. He's actually come around to being you know a new Batman in the new uh, DCU in the the whole tra- t- portal transferring different timelines things. Michael Keaton, that's him. And I'm going to go with Justin Dietrich. He's an OG. He's the old man. Michael Keaton is the old man of this group, sort of, to, to compared to the other guys we've talked about. But also, Michael Keaton is a comedic actor as well. He is super funny. I love me some Michael Keaton. And just check him out on the other guys. He's great. So I'm thinking of Justin Dietrich, just because a classic veteran, grizzled older guy, Kind of like crotchety old man to some extent. I make fun of Justin <laughs> for how slow he walks to practice. He's getting slower and slower. But also he's super funny. Like Justin Dieter is just super funny. And so that that's who I think of when I think of this uh, classic OG Batman. I think of uh, with a comedic twist in it. I think of Justin Dieter. Interesting. And and the first Batman movie did have uh, some comedy in it a little bit more than, you know, say the... Um, freaking cartoons shotgun they were cartoons in themselves it came from Arnold. The cartoons versus no those ones definitely they tried to have more humor in it and it was not very good uh, val kilmer george clooney chris you don't have anything written down seems like you couldn't come up I with mean, anything off the top of your head I mean, val kilmer's clay helton i mean he just it just wasn't it it wasn't it just it's just it, not it. It's it's that's disheartening to me because I love me some Val Kilmer. You know, he did a one man uh Mark Twain play. Uh, I saw a couple times, it was terrific. I love Mark Twain as well. If you don't know that that fact about me, but Val Kilmer uh is a very interesting person himself. Um, so uh it was disappointing that that role did not work out with for him well. And George Clooney was just it was it was weird. It was kind of weird, you know. They try to make us like, oh, Batman's super sexy now because it's George Clooney, but it's like, mm, Batman needs to fight and beat up people at the same time here. We can't, we're not James Bonding Batman out of this. So that was a little bit strange as well. They're not players, obviously, with Clay Helton and Val Kilmer, but George Clooney is Cliff Kingsbury when he was hired for 10 days as he was his coach. <laughs> it was weird. He was he was cool as hell. He was sexy as hell, but it didn't it didn't work out. It was weird. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. So the other two, they didn't work out. Good find there. Good find. All right, let's move on from from the Batman's. Uh, let's go ahead jump into the other superhero question we have, Chris. You know, we got multiple superhero questions because this USC team is playing like a super team right now, full of superheroes, led by a guy whose nickname is Superman. So I think it was fitting that we got some of these questions. But Antonio wanted to know what players in the current USC roster embody each of the Avengers superheroes. We're going with the original Avengers in the MCU, which is Black Widow, the Hulk, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, and Hawkeye. You know, I wrote these out beforehand. I think Hawkeye is Kalen Bullock, obviously a ball hawk back there, a leader. You know, he's he's back there far away, quote unquote, far away from the play. But, you know, he's always watching. He's always surveying, which which feels like Hawkeye to me. We have mm-hmm. Bear Alexander as the Hulk, just super strong, wreaking havoc. Hulk smash, Bear smash right in the middle, <laughs> just, just destroying <laughs> offensive lines. So Bear Alexander is my Hulk. I have Iron Man. I'm really proud of this one because, you know, Iron Man, kind of loud, kind of flashy. You know, I think of an offensive player when I think of this. You know, he's built literally out of armor or, you know, iron, a suit, 
And that for me feels like Brendan Rice, big, strong, fast, uh, loves the cameras to an extent. And, you know, Tony Stark was kind of a, a famous father, if you will, with his father and his inventions. Brendan Rice has the last name, the Stark name. He has the Rice name, Jerry Rice. So I think Brendan Rice is my pick for right. Iron Man. I kind of stumbled there a little bit, but you understand. Captain America is obviously Tackett Curtis. No explanation needed for that one. Thor, I have, and I'm going with the original kind of Thor in the, in the, the original Avengers, which is Anthony Lucas. Young Thor is really brash. He's a little bit immature. Not saying Anthony Lucas is immature, but he's young is what I'm saying. And there's he's got to grow, and he will grow. He's going to get better. But but just the talent is off the charts. He has the potential to be just an incredible football player. When you look at him, when you look at Thor, yoked. When you look at Anthony Lucas, yoked. So that those are my those are my picks for all. Oh, wait, I forgot one. The one I was saving for last because you're going to go like, what the heck does that mean? Black Widow is Taj Washington. And I know what you're thinking. What the heck does that mean? Well, it means that uh, actually Shotgun actually said it best. So I'm just going to let him say it. Yeah, you know, Black Widow is the unassuming one. If you compare her to all the Avengers, when you're just looking at them, if you're a common person, um, you'd be like, that Hulk thing is going to smash everything. Oh, the girl on the end, the pretty girl, she's not going to do anything. He's unassuming, but he just knifes you up. And that's what Taj Washington just continues to do defense. Uh, you think, oh, look at Dorian Singer and Brennan Rice and uh, Zachariah Branch and Mario Williams. And then you go, wait, Taj Washington just led them in receiving again. He just picked up another first down against us because that's what he does. You he, you let him into the room not thinking that he's going to be the deadly one. And he just you know goes through and just crushes you. So he, he comes through and slices and dices and kills you. And you don't even realize what hit, hit you. All I took from that is... Shotgun called Tosh Washington a pretty girl. So let's uh, <laughs> what? let's 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 move oh, on. That's all they took from it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all I took from it. That's all someone took from it. All right, Chris. Uh, who's the best Mexican actor of all time? Sonny wanted to know. Michael Pena next. <laughs> because you have been referenced as looking like Michael Pena. Yes, absolutely. Handsome son of a bitch, Michael Pena. All right, I'm not even going to debate it. Uh, Ed wanted to know top three Will Ferrell movies. I think this is an interesting Ooh. one. Obviously, USC alum, a great catalog. Getting just three is tough, Chris. I mean, we. I feel like we both have to go. I Anchorman, right? Anchorman's got to be in there. Nope, he's shaking his head. Three. No, oh my goodness. Okay, we're. I he's totally off the rails. It's, yeah, you thought me, you it's... thought you knew what it was. I, I thought I knew what it was. It's got to be Anchorman. It's going to be Step Brothers, and it's going to be Old School. Those are my trilogy. And then I'm picking one off the bench. One off the bench is The Other Guys, which is a, one that does not get talked about a lot with Mark Wahlberg, but it is so freaking funny. If you have not seen it because you're like, this is a weird-looking movie, it's amazing. I quote it daily. Not a lot of people know those quotes, but those are my three with Other Guys off the bench, Anchorman, Step Brothers, Old School Shotgun. I'm excited to hear what your list is here. Um, I think it starts with Elf. How is Elf not in your list? I mean, that is such yeah, a I mean, classic. It's, it's, because, like it's a, now become a classic Christmas movie. Like it's it's gone into the pantheon of Christmas movies. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm not like a big Christmas movie kind of guy. Elf is very funny, but it's not like I know people are like we have to watch Elf. It's like the Christmas. I don't I don't do those 
things. I don't do those things with Christmas movies. I'm not a Christmas movie person. Elf is great. Elf is fine, but it's not, it's not a Pantheon movie for me, even though I know it is for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's definitely there. Uh, so that's that's one of them. Uh, Wedding Crashers, even though it's a very small bit, um, you know, Wedding Bring Crashers. Out. He's in there for like two seconds. Wedding Crashers is still one of my favorite movies. Um, old school, he's not in there very much either. So I do have old school on my Frank the Tank. He is a secondary main character. Secondary Frank main the Tank. Come on. So He's more yeah, more than, than wedding crashers. It's true, he is. But those are my would be my three. My one coming off the bench. I don't know if you've seen this one, and it's very much out of his normal realm. But Stranger Than Fiction, I thought was really really good. So, um, which is not a comedy, but is or not a true comedy, not a Will Ferrell comedy. I would say dramedy. Yeah, dramedy. There you go. So I thought it was really really good and really done well. So that one's in my list as well. It's funny because I asked my brother just to like check my list of my welfare movies and just to like you're not crazy or whatever. And he, and then he the first thing he said was some people like Stranger Than Fiction. So obviously Shotgun <laughs> is the one who likes Stranger Than Fiction. And how dare you say that about old school? He got shot in the neck with a freaking dart shotgun. Got I dart had it on neck. my list. It's on my list as well, Chris. So I don't know why you're yelling at me over here. Got a freaking dart in your neck. All right. We got top three QBs in a football movie or TV show of all time from Giovanni. Look, if we don't have both have Shane Falco on our list, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? It's Shane Falco. I, I actually did not create a list for this one. I didn't even see this one on our on our thing. You you put it in, so I had skimmed over it mentally. I didn't see it. Well, Shane Falco, this isn't an any order, but Shane Falco. Obviously on there. Paul Wrecking Crew from The Longest Yard because he gets it done. And then obviously we're going to Wedding Crashers. Vince Vaughn in the pickup football game. <laughs> He's all sitting with the ball wherever he wants. I mean, six foot five. I mean, how could you how could you not? How could you not, Shotgun? I mean, you got uh Uncle Rico from uh Napoleon Dynamite. Uh I oh, would wow. definitely I would definitely go with uh, Johnny Moxon. Okay. I mean, he leads a revolt against his head coach who's won seven district titles or eight district titles, whatever it is. So um, I don't know how you can go against that. Willie, uh, Willie Beeman. Oh, yes. Willie Beeman's got to be in there too. And then Shane Falco. Um, I'm trying, I'm scanning through a list to see if there's anyone else. Um, on my Willie Beam is definitely in there for me. Um, oh, Jimmy Dix from the Last Boy Scout, Damon Wayans character. Last Boy Scout is just because it opens up in such a ridiculous way. I think uh, I would have to have it on there. Okay, well, there I don't want to. I don't want to ruin that if anyone has seen it. Surprised then, you, of course, you say your wedding crashers fan, but didn't have him in there. Say your wedding <laughs> crashers, but didn't have him in there. He throws the ball three times in a movie. The potential is there, Shotgun. The, it flashes on tape. Pops on tape, Shotgun. Pops on tape is what I'm telling you. You get that guy in a full 60-minute game. He's 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 throwing. He's shoving. I know it's a baseball term, but he's shoving out there. I, I love the uh the like what like the teen drama type of movie or whatever, and you see the clip of the the guy that's supposed to be the quarterback and he's throwing, and you're like, that guy's never thrown a football in his life. That actor has never right. thrown a football. They're they're like 
pushing the ball. They're not oh, yeah. throwing. They're like, <laughs> there's that great clip of uh, is it like the Blue Mountain State? And he's like, he's just like, I don't know what he's doing. It's just the worst <laughs> football motion I've ever seen in my life. But yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And then Lo want to know our favorite Helium Boys football movie. I don't know. I see her name. Shout out to her. I don't know if it's Io or Lo. So I apologize if we don't know the, the which one it is. Uh, but favorite Helium Boys football movie. Well, for me, it's down to three. It's down to <laughs> The Replacements, Friday Night Lights, and uh, The Water Boy. Those are my three. That you you put them on for for three different reasons, but I feel like it's always the replacements because I can watch the replacements anytime. I can watch the Water Boy also, but the replacements is just a the perfect blend of like the serious kind of movie with the comedic. So those are kind of the the if they're on the scale of Water Boy to Friday Night Lights, replacements is kind of in the middle of that balance of like good football, fun football movie, and like the comedic values while also being like a serious football movie. And it's got Shane Falco, so I kind of not. So the replacements for me is always kind of be number one. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, the replacements is definitely up there for me. Uh, Varsity Blues is definitely up there. Gonzalez does not get enough love in that movie. The tight end he crushes it in that second half. You know they go, you know four by four by one. They do the oop de oop. Hey, they run it to Tweeter to begin with, but then they're going to Gonzalez. He's the guy. He's a matchup nightmare for him. He's like the Antonio Gates tied in out there. No one gives him enough love in it. So uh, Varsity Blues is definitely up there. And any given Sunday, I, 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 there's some the great speeches in there. There's you know tidbits you can take away from, and you know Steam and Willie Beeman, Cap Rooney. You know it's a it's a great uh, combination there. Um, and then Lawrence Taylor is is hilarious in that movie. I mean the uh, you know. To be careful with me. I'm worth a million dollars. So, you know, as he's being carted off. Million dollars. Shaka, did you add two more questions? We had two questions. And they're very similar, so we can put them into put them together as one. These were the last call questions. Uh, Ant Man wanted to know, and JP Trojan fan followed up. Ant Man wanted to know, other than Bear Alexander, what transfer do you guys think has made the greatest impact? Over under seven and a half wins for Colorado this season, not including bowl game and why? Uh, the over under, you just want to take a quick swipe at that one. Uh, I mean, they'll pr- they'll get their third this week. I would say over. I would say over. I, I mean, that, that, that's a great turnaround for them. They get to they get to eight and four. I mean, I don't see why you would think that was a, a bad season. I'm going to go under. I think it's going to be seven and five season. Um, okay. okay. I just think the uh, – well, we don't have to answer that. It's Colorado. Um, I think there's depth issues there for them. Other than for the Bear, Colorado preview. Other than Bear, what transfer do you think has made the greatest impact so far? Ooh, this is – I mean, this offseason, I assume, so I can't really say Solomon Bird, but I would say Jamil Muhammad has been a nightmare off the edge. And yeah, I mean, we've talked about him a lot on this show, and I know Gerard has been a big fan of him as well on Two Star. So I mean, Jamal Muhammad is my pick. Yeah, I think that one's pretty simple. I mean, the fact that we haven't seen a ton from Mason Cobb yet. Christian Roller Wallace would be another guy that I would consider, but you know, obviously Jamil Muhammad, I think, has made a bigger impact. And then on the other side, maybe you look at Dorian Singer would be the only other guy on the offensive side that's really uh, unless you're throwing one of the office linemen, the fact that they've mixed and matched so much, I don't think that I would point about anybody out there. Though I meant to point out in my stock up, stock down, I thought Jared Kingston, um, the little bit that I fully watched, you know, in, in depth, I thought he was 
you know, had some great blocks. He sealed really well on the Marshawn Lloyd touchdown. The Caleb Williams touchdown, uh, where he's scrambling around, throws the door to Seager. I want you guys to go back and watch that one and just watch Jared Kingston on it. He is just trying to demolish anyone he can find. He's kind of the free blocker. You know, he doesn't have an assignment necessarily on that play. So he's just constantly like ping-ponging back and forth, pinballing back and forth, you know, trying to find someone to hit. And he's just heat-seeking missile hits. It's not like, oh, let me go help and touch and pat this guy. It's let me go destroy this guy as much as possible. So uh, he's another guy that I I would keep an eye on too is a possibility there. And then JP asked, you know, who has been the best defensive player not named Bear and most improved defensive player. I think most improved is easily Rajon Davis. I don't think we even have to have that discussion. I mean, maybe it's not most improved, and it's just he's finally getting his opportunity, but definitely the fact that he has taken advantage of his opportunity, he's definitely there. The best defensive player not named Bear Alexander. Oh, that's – I think it's Solomon Bird. Yeah. Maybe I'm crazy to say Solomon Bird. No, I think that's it. I think all the cornerbacks have kind of given up a catch and haven't been – you know, fully locked down. Uh, Caleb Bullock has made a couple plays, but you haven't had that interception or anything from him. So I think the what Solomon Bird is doing off the edge, it'd be, you know, creating nightmares has been really good. All right, Chris, that's it for the questions. No more last call, no more anything. It's your time of the show now. Take it or leave it. Yeah. This this uh this podcast has been unhinged a little bit, so let's kind of get back on the hinge train. With oh, uh, that's what take it leave it does. Yeah, that obviously take it or leave it sets us back right after uh after questions. But let's get into it. I have eight for you across overtime and the uh, football ones, but let's go little Zachariah Branch. Zachariah Branch, take it or leave it. We'll have one more punt return score and one more kickoff return score at least this season i'm taking it i'm a believer i'm a believer okay there you go taking it didn't even really think about it It was like and he's in doesn't matter Uh, number one is Uh, special try to tell you guys uh, before the season we also we tried to tried to next one take it or leave it Marshawn Lloyd has won the starting running back job. Marshawn Lloyd has won the fourth quarter job. How about that? I would take that. I think Austin Jones may still be the guy who gets the first, comes out for the first play. But I think if you're in crunch time, I think it's Marshawn Lloyd that you're turning to. Now, the one thing I was same thing. No, that's two different things. If Austin, I know, but 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 like we're saying, like the number one, I guess the starting running back and the number one running back is a different. I should have phrased it differently. Yeah. Um. Uh, the one thing is, you know, we got to continue to see the blocking. Um. He's had a couple of nice blocks when he's outside, but you know that pass protection when there's a free runner that we haven't really he hasn't really been put to that test yet. So that's one thing where we kind of know what we're going to get from Austin Jones. Uh, what are you going to get from Marshawn Lloyd in that situation? Take it or leave it, USC will not have a 1,000-yard receiver this season. Oh, that one's tough. That one's tough. This was one of your predictions. It is, but I'm going with you, baby. I'm going with you. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I'm going to take it because I think Taj Washington gets another 150-yard game at some point. So that puts him at almost 400 yards. I think he gets 600 in uh, the final eight games of the season. So – 
you're leaving that they won't have a thousand error receivers. Yes, yes. Sorry. Okay. I just wanted to clarify. Uh, my final serious one, take it or leave it, the Pac-12 is the most impressive conference right now. Take it. I mean, definitely. The fact that your worst team, one of the worst teams, Power Five, has suddenly become the national media darling, and because they've done stuff on the field and they've got talent, that's a big part of it. You know, Colorado has been really good. Washington State, uh, you know, upsetting Luke Fickle and Wisconsin, I think that plays into it a lot. Uh, Arizona should have probably won uh, that game. A little bit of controversy in that against Mississippi State. I mean, everybody's winning. Oregon finding a way to win. Utah finding a way to win. You know, that's what you kind of need. And I think UCLA is better than people kind of thought as well. Dante Moore is is – this is going to be a dude too. So that's that's going to be an interesting thing in, you know, the Big 10, you know, when USC is playing Dante Moore as a junior, do they have someone that matches up or is it kind of the ebb and flow of uh, a rivalry where you're just like, well, we're not going to be as good as that guy, so, you know, our guys, you know, can they can the next guy after Miller Moss, you know, is it Malachi Nelson or whoever it may be, you know, can they be good enough to compete against Dante Moore as, when he's a junior? Shotgun. And now we move into our kind of fun ones to end the show. Since you were just talking about Colorado, take it or leave it. Colorado fans storming the field in a win over Nebraska. No, nah, bro. No, Dante. I mean, Deion Sanders should have said something. Should have been like, we didn't come here to beat Nebraska. I know we want, it's a little rivalry and, you know, we haven't won here or whatever, but that's not where we came from. I mean, I understand it, and I love rivalries. And I love the fact that they're it's about the rivalry, but still, you got to be like, that's a bad team over there. Their quarterback literally gave us the ball like 19 times. So uh, that's not – it was not a uh, field-storming event in my mind. I just witnessed this uh, on the sidelines uh, from Saturday because the security guard went in the stands and took – uh, a beach ball from the student section. So beach ball at sporting events, you know, when they kind of pass it back and forth. I, I take it only in Los Angeles though. Okay. Maybe, maybe San Diego, but only in Southern California. Like it's, it's yeah. also a thing in Omaha for the college world series. And there are a lot of delays where security has to run out and grab the ball and take it and whatnot. And that's a lot farther to run than, you know, if you have one at a, football stadium um you know there's room because of the sidelines and whatnot saw this was trending on twitter or x whatever you want to call it so i thought i would throw it out there uh take or leave the power rangers i was i was not in that era so i mean i guess i was a little i like i was on the fringe of that era i'm fine with it take it i don't i don't care (laughs) Doesn't bother He's me. Steven it. He's Steven it. Doesn't hurt nobody. Don't really care. Take it. Yeah. Doesn't really care. Okay. Okay. Uh, my last one. Uh, it seems like Elijah Hughes is going the kind of graphic t graphic t shirt route for his fits on Saturday. Had an Outcast shirt uh, this past Saturday. After Auto take what, whatever. I was just saying graphic tees. <laughs> I, I know you're not a gra- I don't think I've ever seen you in a graphic tee, but I'm, I'm going graphic tees. Take it or leave it. Uh, I have a couple. I'm not, you know, you, when you see me, I'm usually working. So I have a collar shirt on, but uh, you know, I got like a gremlins tee and some other, other things. So I like the eighties throwback tee, you know, as a, 
whatever generation homage. I am. I don't know what, what those are. Gen X, Gen Z, Gen whatever letters are next. Gen Shotgun. That's what you are. Sweet. We're both um, I'm okay with it. So like 80s movies, um, I'm big. I'm like the 80s references and stuff, which will soon become early 90s and late 90s. So take it. Whatever Shotgun, makes you happy. For you. Whatever makes you happy, Chris. Whatever you feel comfortable in your skin. Whatever you want to wear. Do you. And don't let anybody, if you want to go to the club in a graphic tee, who am I to tell you not to do that? Well, the bouncer might, but yeah, sure. Yeah. If, if you can do it, I mean. Yeah, I, I want someone to do that, and the bouncer's like, no, you can't get any sleep. But Shotgun told me. <laughs> that, that, this is podcast here. Let me put on my phone. And let me just rewind this part. He told me. <laughs> he told to me to do, do whatever. it. He told me to do it. He's like, get out of here. Right, right. Wait, it, it, says on your, it says on your thing, no white tees. It doesn't say graphic tees. Come on now. I'm gonna make a graphic tee of you, a Helium Boys graphic tee. <laughs> All right, Chris, that's that wraps us up then, because normally we have yeah, a score that, prediction. Um, what's your score prediction for this week? Uh, let's go forty-seven to three. Let's go forty-seven three over the bye. Yeah. Wow, I think the bye is gonna do something, huh? I think it's gonna do something. I think it's gonna do something. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little. Not enough to be like, oh, okay, but not not just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, I've got a score prediction of 186 uh, to 68. I don't know what that score prediction is for, but when it happens, Vegas is going to pop off, baby. It's happening. Okay. I'm ready for it. I'll be looking for it in my graphic tee. I'll be in my white tee because I'm from the state of Georgia. And someone play the outro music of the white tea. If we had, if we were allowed to do that, we'd do that. Chris, that's going to wrap us up for the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed us breaking down the Stanford game. We'll be back next week to look forward to USC playing at Arizona State. I will finally get to get back and see the Trojans in person, so I'm looking forward to it. Before then, we got some high school stuff to to go see. Chris has got the composite two-star podcast. So you got to make sure you're listening to that. And, you know, it may take you all through the bye week to get it on your drives back and forth, but you got to listen to him and Gerard breaking down all the latest recruiting stuff. Make sure you're checking out uscfootball.com for all the stuff we have breaking down the Stanford game, as well as looking forward, what USC is doing during the bye week. We'll be having all that. We've had a ton of content the first couple of weeks, a ton of great content. If you're not signed up, what are you thinking? Really? Like, like, what are you thinking? Like, I mean, you get Chris's, I mean, I don't know why, why, why are you not signed up? Saying sign up people. Oh, Second, okay. I got you. I got you. I don't hear anything. I play the white piece on. <laughs> you can't hear this? You cannot hear it. It must be coming through. You got Bluetooth on those headphones or something. Right through my phone. I think they'll hear. I think I I believe in this. All right. Uh, I mean, it's not playing, so we're not going to go with that. But yeah, thank thank you guys so much for reaching out. And when we see you guys on the field, hopefully we will see you guys in Phoenix at Arizona for Arizona State and in Tempe. Uh, make sure you're taking a picture with us, and I will remind you guys next time because I'm going to get better. That's what we do. Get better each and every week, and then maybe down the road we'll see what this USC team can do if they can, can do that as well. Chris, let's wrap it up. You got anything left to say? No, just end the pod.
It's over. Pod, officially over. Thank you guys for listening. Unhinged.